0: What's going on, 3rd Street? So we are in the Distracted Series. If you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, um, we are in week three of the Distracted Series. Week one was talking about being distracted from growth, right? Um, We talked about people being leafy, um, people being able to give shade, but not being able to actually give fruit in the season that God is looking for us to. Um, In week two, we talked about being distracted by the crowd. Uh, Corey talked about how sometimes we speak to the crowd instead of to the exact thing that God has uh, instructed us and given us details to actually speak to. And then week three, which is today, we're talking about being distracted from showing love, being distracted from showing love. First, I want to say happy Father's Day. I Appreciate everybody that's in here um, just to talk about being a distracted father. When I was a young father, rather than the tea parties with the hat and the, and the, and the, and the nice gown or whatever it is that you actually put on when you have that, that party with your daughters, I was actually taking my daughters with me to flag football games and basketball leagues and things of that sort. And I think at times when we look at being distracted from showing love, what we're really distracted from is we're distracted from being selfless. We're distracted from sacrificing, -sacrificing. self-sacrificing. I believe that love is a sacrifice. Like think of the the scriptures where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his begotten son, his only begotten son. Like that's a sacrifice, right? What greater love is it that a man will lay down his life for a friend, right? That's another sacrifice and, and, and for specifically the love that we have. Today, I want to talk about how we've been distracted from being Jesus in the spaces that he's allowed for us to be in. Um, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 10. So I'm going I'm to do things a little bit differently than I normally do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to tell a story, then I'm going to walk the text. Then I'm going to move back to the next scripture. I got three scriptures for you today. No no titles, really. But the first of those three scriptures is Matthew 10, verses 11. And it says, whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy. Stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Right. So we were on this journey. um, As a leadership team this last week, and I don't want this to be a message about race because that's not what it's about. But there was a lot of racial differences on this trip. We have a lot of black people in our leadership team, a lot of white people in our leadership team. And we were there with another church who shared that same multicultural difference. When we were on the way, there was this split. And it said, if you want to go to Coon Path Drive, you can turn left. If you want to go to Coon Path Road, you can turn right. Immediately, all the black people that were in the car was like, yeah, we should just stay on whatever road this is. We ain't turning on nothing that got the word coon in it. And the further and further we got to our destination, the more fearful every black person in the car was. (laughs) And to be honest with you, the longer we were there, the more scared I was. Literally, I had one bar as soon as we turned into the driveway, S.O.S., And I mean, we've seen so much on the way there. Some of it is so inappropriate that I can't even really share it with you. But I said, I said this, this is the beginning of every scary movie. (laughs) And if you just happen to be black, you might have recognized that black people normally die first. Like LL Cool J is like the only black dude that lasts all the way to the end of the movie when he's the only black person in it. However, once we were there, there was these gifts that were brought, mostly purchased by Jada. And what she did bring, bless her heart, was some Oreos, (laughs) right? And it was just so amazing to be scared, but to have something that you could hold on to that can get you through. But what I found was I wasn't the only person there who loved Oreos, Jew. A lot of people there like Oreos. Now, these were not my Oreos. However, they did stay close to my vicinity the duration of the trip. And what happened was more and more people started to eat my, I mean, the Oreos. And it got to a point to where I didn't say this out loud, Jeremy, but I, I was thinking it in my head because somebody was like, hey, where's the Oreos? And I wanted to be like, there is no more Oreos, fam. You don't need no more Oreos. You've had enough. That which is left over is for me and only me. I didn't say it, but I was thinking it. I actually went to leave at 1230 a.m to go get more Oreos and milk because we didn't have any of that. And this is how serious I mean about us being scared. I said, hey, Corey, man, and hand me the keys. And Maquita looked up. She said, you ain't going nowhere. And I didn't leave. And nothing I'm telling you is made up. Like everything, everything I'm saying is exactly what happened to the T. If you could bring that scripture back up for me. The scripture tells us that Jesus was telling them, Whatever town or village you enter, I want you to find out who in it is worthy. In, 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 in the Greek, I believe what he said is he he wants you to search diligently. He wants you to go beyond just knocking on the door to find out if someone is worthy or not. And he said, if they are worthy, Stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. Now, the Jewish greeting, the salute, as it says in the King James Version, was shalom. Peace be unto you. I need us to understand that this this whole message is about your peace. This gift that God has given to you that we have coveted like Oreos. That we have decided who is and who isn't going to get some. Because of whether they are worthy or not in our eyes. Right. And what it's done is our peace has distracted us from showing love because we've become so selfish with what is ours from God. It says, as you enter the house, give the people in the house what your peace. Let your peace come upon it. Now, peace is like a pit bull on a leash. If you let your peace go, it will go forth and it will devour anything that you give it an opportunity to. But what we do is we we hold on to it like it's this gift that nobody else is deserving of. And I think that the reason why we do it is because we are afraid that if we actually allow for our gifts to be given to someone else, that we won't get it back. Sometime before we met Christ, so many different things happened to us that when we were in different spaces, we felt like we gave somebody our love and our love wasn't returned. And we walked away without love as a whole. And that feeling of emptiness has carried over to now that love that we have is the love of Christ. And we believe that the love of Christ is going to leave us and not return in the same way that the love of KT did. In the same way that the love of Candace did, in the same way that the love of Russell did. And in what in what in what actual reality is God is saying, if they are not worthy, don't worry. Your peace will come back to you we don't have to figure out if they are worthy or not it's nothing within ourselves that we have to try to figure out whether someone else is worthy of what Christ has gave us God is saying just let me be God and I'll decide whether they are worthy or not and trust me your peace will come back but the thing about the Jewish customs that we have to understand is peace was the beginning of everything you didn't have love absent of peace You didn't have long suffering or or patience or there was nothing that you had that you had and you did not have peace. That is why peace is the thing that surpasses all understanding because peace is something that when you have it, there's nothing else that you don't have. But we become fearful that if we let our peace go, that our joy might go with it. The scripture continues by saying, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. I never really understood why they did this until I prepared for this message. And the reason why was because they expected that if I was to really go into a heathen town a town or a place where people were unworthy and I was to give forth my peace. What would happen is what is on them would become on me. And by custom, when they would get to the city gates, they would literally wipe the dust off of their whole clothing and being because the people that they just left were not worthy. And they were fearful that whatever it is that was the problem that made them unworthy would follow me and be in me. When I left. And Jesus was saying, Don't be fearful of that. Don't be fearful of giving love to those who are, in your eyes, worthy or not worthy. And He wasn't telling them this in this way that was like adding to their theories. He was just telling them, If you continue in your customs, you'll be okay. But give them a chance first. What I believe has happened. Is we've become fearful of touching the body, the kingdom, because we have been just customed, told who is worthy or not. There's a game that we play here, it's called Mad Sciences. And in the game, Mad Scientist, what the expectation is, is that there's this guy who's walking around, this female who's walking around in the dark. And what that person is trying to do is they're trying to touch another person so that person can add to the Mad Scientist group. Jesus' expectation is so very close to that game because he ain't the Mad Scientist. I want to disrespect Jesus like that. But in the, in the aspect of the game, his expectation is if I touch you. When you touch someone else, they will touch someone else. And the next thing you know, it'll turn into a community. So everyone has been touched by Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether the mad scientist is touching you or the person who the mad scientist touched. But whatsoever, if you've been touched from the king all the way down, everyone who will be touched will be affected because each person is not afraid to touching, even in the dark even in the place where everything can't be seen, even in the place where you don't know exactly who it is that you're touching, even when you're fearful yourself. I've been the mad scientist. If anybody here has ever been on the third floor, I was the mad scientist that stayed by the light because I was scared of the same thing that you were scared of when you was walking up them steps. But nonetheless, when I see you, I'm still touching you. Pause. Next scripture. If you can go with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. I want to prove to you, if you may, that what I'm saying is true. We are scared of what we can lose in the process of trying to give forth peace. It says, just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said. So Jesus' reply was, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with what? With pity. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured oil and wine. Then he put on him his own animal, bought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, paid for a stay, told the innkeeper, take care of him. When I come back, if I owe you more, I'll pay you more. Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So we're sitting on this back porch. It's me, Jada, Karen, Joe, Corey, Nate, Rev, and Rob. And when I tell you, it was some weird sounds coming from the dark. First, they tried to tell me it was a frog. I didn't heard frogs in all types of PBS specials. <laughs> Never heard a frog like that. So Corey was like, hold up. So what was that? And they was like, oh, that was another frog. Like, come on, man. How many types of, type, types of frogs is it out here in this dark? Out of nowhere, we hear, Ow So was that a frog? So that was like, no, that's probably a coyote. I was like, no, that sounds like wolf. Right. <laughs> and then we had to come to a understanding on this back porch. Let me first say this. If I looked over there and then I took off running right now, yeah. everybody, running with you. everybody black in here is running with me. I need y'all to understand this. Nobody of the same skin color of me is going to look in that back corner when I start running. Again, this was a multicultural porch, though. And I'm the only person that's actually looking into the darkness. Everybody else is kind of like surrounded by me, but they're looking at me. And I'm the type of person that I'm getting home. And I didn't want nobody else to not get home. And then later on, they'd be like, dang, that's messed up how KT did so-and-so. He ain't trying to help nobody. So I went around, and I tried to make sure that everybody understood if a coyote comes, I'm not giving any warnings. I'm hopping back in this house. And the person who just happened to be next to me was Karen, right? So I said, hey, Karen, if I take off running right now, before I can even finish my question, Jada was like, I'm taking off running, too. I promise you I'm not making this up at all. So I said, well, Karen, if I take off running right now, what are you going to do? And she was like, I don't understand the question. So I said, right, okay, let's let's, let's let's change the subject completely. If we're in the movie theaters and I'm sitting in front of you and you can't see what I see, but you take off, and I take off running, what are you going to do? And she said, well, I'm going to try to see what it is that you're running from. <laughs> now, in the sense of the coyote. I agree with your laughter. Karen's going to die. And her thought process is just, it, it is what it is. But she tried to explain herself. And this is where it gets real good. She said, I can't allow for. Now, this is what she said, but this is what I got out of what she said. I can't allow for what you're scared of to make me scared. I can't allow for what brings forth fear in your heart to bring forth fear in my heart. Let's go back to the scripture. I feel you in the essence of the coyote. She's still going to die. But in the essence of the community, right? Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus teacher. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, if we know the story right before this, it shows that there were other people present. He's testing Jesus because of what Jesus said right before this. He said, what must I do? He said to him, what is written in the law? Well, he answered, you shall love the Lord. You love God with all your heart. You love with all your soul. You love with all your strength, with all your mind. And you love your neighbor as yourself. This guy knew, I do all of these things well. When it, even when it says love with all your strength, it's talking about everything that you possess. Right? Your possessions were your strength during this period of time. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But needing to justify himself. Not only for himself, but everyone else that was surrounding him at that period of time. He had to ask the question, well, who is my neighbor? Because there are people. That I'm willing to love with all of my soul, with everything that I possess, with all of my mind. I know that I give all these things to God. I know I give all these things to the people that I'm comfortable with. But there are some people that I don't consider a neighbor, who I don't consider worthy, going back to that first scripture, that I'm not willing to love like that so this is the reason why jesus goes and he gives him this other parable because jesus recognized there's some people that you fear how do i know that it's fear because it says that when these levites and when these priests were walking down the street they didn't have the common decency to even stay on the same side of the road they had to cross to the other side, not by a man who's standing waiting in the dark with a knife and a hood on, but by a man that is broken down, hurting. Some of us are so fearful of other people that it doesn't matter what state of life they're in. They don't have to walk into the store with the hood on. They could be laying on the side of the road broken and we still see fear and not brokenness. And I, again, don't want you to feel like I'm talking to a certain group of people. If we were to have a group of people walking to Skyline Terrace to go door to door, which we are, I am not going to be scared to go to Skyline Terrace at all. I walk up and down HP in any color and not be scared at all of what gang is present because I feel comfortable in that community. However, if Corey said, but we also going to go over to where River Tree Jackson is and we're going go door to door and we're also going to go to green and we're going to go door to door and we're also going to go to Wadsworth and we're going door to door. I'm going to be like, who's going? Because I don't think God really asked third street to be a part of So I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to say, if you feel like, well, HP ain't where God is sending me, because I don't know that culture all like that. That's not something that you should be ashamed of. But what I am saying is God is trying to grow us, unite us, put us in a place where we can be renewed by the spirit of God, that we can restore any community. I'm not saying that you should be there because I'm there, because I'm telling you, I'm just as scared as in Jackson as you are in Jackson chairs. Sherrick. That's what I meant to say. I was I was going and it didn't come out of my mouth the right way. Pause. <laughs> but a Samaritan while traveling came near to him and when he saw him, He was moved with pity, with compassion, with the love of God. He had some peace in him that made him think that there's some things that I've been gifted. These Oreos ain't just for me. I can give this man some things that can actually help him. And it shows everything that God just said you need to love your neighbor. He gave him every single thing that he had. He was mindful of where his brokenness actually was when he bandaged him up. And he was mindful of what exactly. Exactly, he needed when he gave him oil and wine. He wasn't too worried about his strength. I mean, his possessions. When he gave him the denarii that he would need, and he took him to the inn. He gave him the uh, the, the horse that he was supposed to be comfortably riding. There is a space and a place where we are supposed to be that is going to take some things from us to people that we would normally deem unworthy. This is a Samaritan. If you don't know, they don't fool with the Jews. But what happened was the Jews were so caught up in the law. We have at times created our own laws in our hearts that we've written. And we're so connected to the things that have been handed down from generation to generation. The things that have been handed down from friend group to friend group that we are actually walking by people who are broken. Because we're not willing to let go of our peace. We're scared that our peace will not return to us. Let's go to this last scripture. I'm going to get out you guys' way. It says, See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. On the same porch with the same exact people, still full of the same exact fear, we get to the to the point to where I'm literally trying to get everybody else to go inside. Hey, man, like, really think about it. They kind of like yelled out like 15 minutes ago. So the 15 minutes that we've stayed here, they haven't said anything. How close do we know that they are at this point, right? So Rev says we just howl back at him. So Corey was like, what's that going to do? Like, what are you talking about? So Rev says, if you howl back at them, they'll howl back at you again. And then we'll be able to tell how close they are. Now, if Rev tries to leave, dish, tackle him. Don't let him leave while I'm trying to finish this story. You hear me? So we get to a point to where Rev's like, Corey, go ahead and do it. And Corey's like, dude, that don't make no sense, man. And Rev's like, but my roommate was a zoo biologist. I know what I'm talking about. If a, a, a wolf will actually, or a coyote will actually howl at a truck that's beating, beeping the horn, and that's a man-made uh, uh, sound, then if you make a sound from your actual mouth, trust me when I tell you, the wolf will cry back out. And we was like, well, then you do it. So Rev gets up. We pull out our phones immediately. I was going to have us play it. But the story from my mouth is so much funnier than the actual video. Right. So Rev gets up. He walks to the edge and he looks out to the to the he looks out to the woods and he pauses. And he was like, you can see he was puzzled. So he was like, what you doing, man? Just go ahead. He said, I'm trying to figure out which call I'm going to give him. I said, so now you got all these different coyote calls in your bag. Like you got multiple coyote calls in your bag. And Rev was like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. He said, I can tell him to go away or I can tell him to come to us. He said, I don't know if I want to go aw or if I want to go out. I'm going to do it again. He said, I don't know if I want to tell him out. And then look at my hand. He said, I don't know if I want to tell him out. I said, so you Dr. Doolittle now. He never did the call. He never did the talk. He just he just went and sat back down. Let's go back to the scripture, though. In the moment, I didn't see it. But the Bible says (laughs) you can make I I promise you if you really try, you can connect to the Bible to anything. Right. It says, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Just trust that when you open your mouth, you can tell them to go. Or you can tell them to come. You can tell them where they're supposed to be in Christ. Or you can tell them how they need to be in Huddle, in Third Street, on Word Wednesdays. If you really trust in the Lord and the spirit that the Father has given us, there is no group of... If Rev can tell a coyote to go away, trust me when I tell you, you can tell a little kid that they need to put the guns down and come back to the church. If you trust that the spirit of the father is speaking through you, you can go to HP, you can go to Jackson, you can go to Green, you can come over here by Hartford. You can come up here and preach. Maybe not because Corey don't let everybody preach. But still, there is nothing that God is keeping from us if we will just trust in the spirit of the father. Amen. Bless up.